This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. Joined as usual, special guest Pete Sampson from The Athletic. It's Monday, November 1st, Notre Dame with a 44-34 victory over North Carolina over the weekend. They moved to 7-1 and one as we await the first college football playoff poll on Tuesday. We just spent some time with Brian Kelly, talked about injuries. Why don't we start with the news uh, about Kyle Hamilton? First off, he will not be playing against Navy this weekend. Tim? First of all, if Pete is a special guest, it's kind of like how they announce everybody that returns to Notre Dame as a legend now, <laughs> legendary returning football player. So there. <laughs> but uh, no, I thought Pete asked I'm much the more just available. <laughs> yeah, podcast. you're available. Right. Pete asked the question directly to Brian Kelly Do you expect Kyle Hamilton to play this year? And I don't think there was a discernible pause or anything, but he said, I do. And then also went into all the reasons, you know, how they will support him if he doesn't. It's, uh, and it assumes health. I mean, we keep assuming health. Yes. He's having another procedure today. So but take it from there, guys. But I, we, he did, he is having another procedure today, which knocks him out for Saturday. Yeah, it's not – I didn't ask the question. I really put Brian Kelly on the spot about it. But I just want to know, like, I mean, if he – he could have answered that harder toward the personal decision. Like, he's got a lot right. to consider. Like, he definitely could have gone there and did not. Um, so I don't think it's – I don't. I didn't take his answer as like, well, if he doesn't play, play his week. Um, you know, that was not the point of the question and the answer either. It was just like, do you expect him to be to play for Notre Dame again? And he said yes, uh, and even put floated Virginia out there as a possibility, which um, I think a, a week ago we were hopeful that it would be, but he for him to actually say that is a positive. Yeah, now I, I've heard from two different people, the first of which indicating that he might not come back, and I from a, a source that I trust a lot more, uh, more out of the, the Goog locker room type source, and that is that uh, the plan is to come back for Virginia. So we'll see with that. Definitely not uh, Navy this week. That would not be the opponent, although you'd certainly want him on the field, but that's probably not the opponent to bring a guy back from a from a knee injury. But yeah. uh and then Foskey with the, the shoulder, it sounds like that's promising. Zeke Carell, uh, who was in concussion protocol last week, is cleared and back. And then I guess really the only question is Braden Lindsay, who also was in protocol. It sounded, Brian, or Brian Kelly said that if he passes the cardio version of, uh, uh, of practice today, that he would, he would be in practice on Tuesday or ready to go on Tuesday. I'll, I'll believe that when we see it. Uh, an interesting comment about Drew White, I asked about the health of White and Bertrand, whether they're getting worn down. And Brian Kelly flat out said that, you know, Drew White, if he hadn't pushed to play this past weekend, probably wouldn't have. Yeah, but we've come a long way from the first week of training camp. Like, what are they going to do with all these linebackers? <laughs> um, you know, that was, that was a long time ago. They're... You know, it's just a, it's a worn down car crash type of position, and they're really worn down. They've got, you know, Tim, I think you've written this a few times, like J.D. Bertrand really is sort of playing out of position. Um, you know, it's a, mid, a middle linebacker is playing Will. You know, they own the Will linebacker that they wanted hasn't played because he's hurt. Um, it's just they're kind of just holding it together at this point. So um, and, it's difficult, especially this week. He's more than a he's more than a middle linebacker playing will. He's playing will in a defense that funnels everything to the will and expects you to make plays. Like we all we're just so used to how does the middle linebacker not lead a team in tackles? Why does Bertrand have 30 more than Drew White? Well, that's kind of how this is set up. Wasn't set up for a guy that's never really played from scrimmage to play 700 snaps, right? I mean, or 650 snaps. That's of course he's wearing down. And they knew he was gonna wear down. Um Tim, we're going over things to talk about. Um, I'm glad someone asked about Prince Collie as well. And he just said, it's it's not that they don't like him. It's just, he's not ready to play yet. And he did have that big hiccup in the middle of, uh, you got to figure at least two weeks off of COVID plus trying to get back into shape for it. Yeah, let's jump um, and And I asked about John Doerr because he hasn't been able to put the football in the end zone on, on the touchbacks. And you know, he was hurt when he kicked the game-winning field goal against Virginia Tech. He was injured. He did the the PRP treatment in during the bye week. Um, so I, you know, I think we can understand or see that it's just he did get a couple in the end zone on on uh, 
on Saturday, but um, you know, distance on kickoffs, especially when you when you compare it to North Carolina's kickoff guy. He's not their field goal guy, but their kickoff guy. He's just drilling the football. And actually, uh, um, you know, the Virginia Tech kicker was was very similar. But uh, getting back to the uh, the forty four thirty four victory over North Carolina, Notre Dame's defense. Gives up a ton of yards. Uh, I, I know a lot of Notre Dame fans are concerned about the rush defense, and they are getting. I, you know, I mean, running backs are getting five, six, seven yards a crack many times for a series of plays, and it's concerning. I don't think it's concerning as it relates to Sam Howell because nobody can tackle him. Jordan, Jordan Botello's riding riding his his back, and he he can't pull him down. And my, my point being that if you watch the first seven games of the North Carolina season, everybody's having difficulty tackling him. Well, I mean, Brian Kelly said it after the game. It's you, you can't stop everything. Um, and so you give up quarterback run first before you're going to give up deep shots to Josh Downs or before you're going to give up long outside runs. Um, you know, that's Norton's defense conceded that. Um, North Carolina found a lot of success going at that concession. So be it. Um, that I don't. I think there there was there's kind of this weird expectation I think from some Notre Dame fans that like they were going to hold them to under 300 yards like they did last year. Um, that was that was just not in the cards with a back seven that was totally worn down and without its best player. And I thought a lot about this for the column Sunday and for this podcast. There's a unreasonable expectation about the back seven right now against very talented offenses. As compared to Pete, I'm glad you brought up last year. There's no Kyle Hamilton. The linebacker, instead of being a Butkus Award winner, is just a guy they're rotating, right? They're rotating a couple of guys at that spot. They have a Will linebacker who is alone. He has no backup, and nobody expected him to be an All-American this year. And they could have a nice rotation in the middle. And in the back end, Cam Hart has really come on as a quality corner. And what else do you want in that back end out of anybody, even Tariq Bracey, who's playing better than people think, to match up against guys like Drake London, Josh Downs, even David Bell, if he had a better quarterback. They, I just don't think the talent level and talent gets people mad. All right, the developed football player level of the back seven is as good as really good offenses are this year. Yeah, and you talk about the Will linebacker. Well, the, the current Will linebacker, who knows how much he would have played this year if yeah. Maris Leofile hadn't suffered the injury. So, um, yeah, let's you – know, and we have a bunch of questions – a bunch my, of my point kind of was my point kind of was we people look at Brian Kelly be like why did you have to give up something to win the game why you shouldn't have to do that he he doesn't care what he should have to do he knows what he has to do he knows I'm just going to get if I just go out there and play straight up we're in a lot of trouble and he wants to win the game not not prove how great the recruiting has been over the last four years yeah. or something I mean he, he needs to find a way to win the game the progress yeah, I mean, well I was just saying like Owusu Kormo was the nickel last year and now it's Tariq Gracie like you, you're taking a Buckus Award winner and replacing with your third corner. You know, that's why North Carolina couldn't do anything on the ground last year is because Notre Dame wasn't base defense on basically two-thirds of their snaps. I don't I don't know how many snaps they played in base defense on Saturday night, but, I mean, it couldn't have been more than a handful. No, it definitely was not. Um, and on the flip side, Notre Dame's offense, the offensive line is really performing at a level that, we didn't anticipate happening, and you can owe it yeah. to, I, I guess, from center to, to the right side of the line. You have veterans there, but you have two young guys that are really doing an outstanding job, and so now you have five working together. You have the great Kyron Williams. I can't believe we've gone. Have we mentioned him yet? We should have mentioned him. Those should have been the first words that we spoke to start the podcast. Because, he was the first words everybody wrote, so that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. He was just absolutely outstanding, and the 91-yard run with help from Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer is blocking the last two games. I, his blocking has been absolutely outstanding. And, and um, you know, the the indomitable spirit of Kyron Williams shines through every time. And that, that play will be remembered as one of the great runs in Notre Dame Stadium history. And when you consider how it unfolded, he ran right and then had to bring it back left. It might be the very best run in, in Notre Dame Stadium history. Considering the stakes, too, right? I mean, backed up, one score. 
I was trying to think of that. Reggie Brooks's run was amazing when he got knocked out against Michigan. That immediately came to mind. It just happened to be 25 yards instead of 91. But that was 25 yards of fury, wasn't it? I mean, that was a 25 yards of nuts. I did say um, I, it was yeah, yeah. it was good that he had a <laughs> linebacker on his tail. Yeah, yeah. About 40 or Kyron. 50 yards. Hey, I appreciate uh, I appreciate Kyron Williams telling us he knew he was gone as soon as he stiff armed number 12. That was a great response to He had 96 yards he to had go. 96 yards to go, but he was he wasn't even to the line of scrimmage. <laughs> and Tamon, you know, that to, to discard Tamon Fox like that, I mean, that is literally one of their best defensive players on a defense that's a hodgepodge of mess, but <laughs> He he's a good football player, and he he just uh, he discarded him, and then Mayer downfield working on a cornerback, and then great the the heady move by Avery Davis. I'm you don't see that very often. He if he had blocked, it would have been a clip or it would have been close, and um, he just did yeah. a great job of running interference for him. Um, another strong performance by Jack Cohn, sixteen for twenty four. 213 yards with a touchdown. Notre Dame did not turn the football over. Tyler Butner is continues to come along. You know, I, when they put him in the game, there, there are many things that he can do now that they've established that he can throw the football around a little bit. So the offensive performance was fantastic. Just what they needed. Defense is a little beat up, beaten up. And uh, now you go into Navy and, this is where you can really get beaten up. And, and, you know, Brian Kelly, again, dealing with the reality of it, you come out of playing USC and North Carolina, whose two offenses couldn't be any more different than, than what they're going to face this weekend. I think Lorenzo Styles, Deion Colsey, and Logan Diggs have now, they're not the curiosity they were of Virginia Tech with Diggs and USC with Styles and Colsey. It's now, all right, this is this is part of our approach now because uh, it's worth noting that Logan Diggs has joined the depth chart. They never make changes on the depth chart. Logan Diggs is now on it um, in an or situation with Chris Tyree. Sebo uh, Flemister didn't play. I don't know if he was suspended or not. He was out there um, warming up, but I don't think he took a special team snap either. These three guys are now part of November's story for Notre Dame's offense, right? Because they have four scholarship wide receivers, if Lindsay's not healthy, that are on the varsity. And Diggs is clearly running back too. Yeah, it's, I mean, they need him. This was, I think, sort of one of the, the secondary thread to the USC game was like freshman performing, whereas like at Virginia Tech is they're performing because they didn't have anybody else to play, you know, over the last three weeks. That's in addition to Cone, like as a sort of supplementary story behind Jack Cone's improvement uh, and Tommy Reese figuring out a little bit more of like what works, what doesn't, how to call it. Um, those freshmen having the light come on is is really significant on the offensive side. We'll be back with segment two, burning up the boards. The Indiana Whiskey Company in South Bend, Indiana, delivers great whiskey at honest prices. Founded in 2011 by Notre Dame alumni and military veterans, the company set out to prove that Indiana has everything needed to make a world-class whiskey. The Indiana Whiskey Company has been producing whiskey and only whiskey for eight years running, and they want you to know they're getting pretty good at it. If you are in town for a game, visit the distillery for some pregame cocktails and a bottle of whiskey for your tailgate. For more information, go to ionwhiskey.com. Cheers and go Irish. Segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a new questioner, I believe here, UND underscore Clancy. Was that North Carolina's best performance of the season? Certainly their best performance on the road. Um, yeah. I mean, they they smoked Virginia pretty good earlier. Yeah, they in the scored year. they yeah. scored 59 yeah. against Virginia. Now I know that so, BYU scored go 66, with, but I mean I go with that one. So it's if it's not one, it's two. Um, but I, I there's they don't really have a lot of other contenders uh, based on their schedule, you know, putting up 10 points in Virginia Tech is really bad um yeah. so yeah it's probably their second best performance I, overall i thought north carolina played well i mean i think we've, we've all seen enough games where you can tell when the opponent is playing like garbage um definitely didn't feel that way about north carolina at all no i thought that i thought north i yeah i mean i would i would still put virginia first but i thought north carolina played well saturday night i think they're the quintessential dangerous team that you should still beat right yes exactly and that's and, but, you know Notre Dame's beating them by 14 and 10 right. in the last 12 games that they've played. And that's probably about right. And when I said to Pete or Tim or Twitter or whoever it was, 
the turnover is going to win this game. And DJ Brown picked it off. It was like, that's the team that usually makes this turnover North Carolina on the road, not Notre Dame at home that he wins. I think Tim pointed out 27 out of 28 at home. Right. And it's the time they lost. They made those turnovers. It is. You could feel it changing when he made the pick. Um, he just felt like this Notre Dame team is not going to lose to that North Carolina team, but it wasn't prior to that. You're looking out there and you're like, Oh, I love like any of these matchups in the back seven. Every time Howell's getting ready to take that snap, you'd look out there and think, don't run that slant play where there's seven picks coming at you because it works every time. <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful play. Uh, it is. And there was another one that should have been called too. Yeah, I, I yeah. just, it's still a great play. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a, a tremendous design yeah. and you keep doing it until they let you yeah. get away Make with them it. Call I, it. Yeah. I mean, there were two specific instances where they didn't, they didn't call it. I'm, Surprised they didn't try it again because they were getting away with it. But uh, now Phil Longo is an excellent offensive coordinator. I know that we talk about the opponent and the the personnel and the coaches more than than most do because um, you know they coach too. And uh, yeah, so yeah, North Carolina played well. Notre Dame didn't tackle well. Nobody tackles Sam Howell well, but it, it you know. And then I mean, Ty Chandler had a big game too. I'm not trying to let Notre Dame off the hook. They're not playing great defense against quality offenses. Right. Um, and, you know, fortunately up to this point, or fortunately on the back half of this schedule, they're not facing any, you know, great teams. So um, they need to – I don't know how they get healthy at linebacker. I don't know how you get spell yeah. them more. And, you know, when every game is as competitive as it is, uh, it's it's just the nature of a college football season as you get into November. Brian Kelly said it today. You know, there are a lot of football teams across the country that are that are feeling the same way, beating up heading into November. Sure. Washington D have the tables turned for this team that the offense is what you can rely on and the defense is the weak point. With or without Kyle Hamilton, I don't feel this defense has been fundamentally sound the last few weeks, and especially against North Carolina. I mean, I can't disagree North Carolina exposed some things but yeah I mean it's kind of cool that the offense was able to kind of bail the the defense out a little bit you give up 34 points and you still win by 10 because the offense and the offensive line you know I I mean could the offensive line be no is you the say no, no, I, no is the offensive line in the process of becoming a strength for this football team it's, it's incredible I don't Strength, you wouldn't go that okay. You wouldn't no. go that far, but you rushed for 293 yards uh, against a competitive opponent. I, I think it's a strong lean in that direction. It's bad. I mean, I think the line is where it needed to be the whole time. It is not. It is. It is not a strength by Notre Dame standards, but it's no longer a huge liability. You know, like it's it's a yeah. it's a below average line by Notre Dame standards, which means it's above average in like college football. Um, which is all this line needed to be. And it, now that now it is. To kind of drill down on his question, let's let's look at like, uh, well, Tim, you pointed out that their last two offenses have been very good, and Brian Kelly wanted to point that out. And I know that a lot of people don't want to give credit to North Carolina and USC's offense. The defense against Wisconsin, a bad offense, but now becoming a good football team, had six three and outs, two other empty drives against them, and two interception touchdowns. Okay, that was Wisconsin. Going to the next week, Cincinnati, three three and outs for Cincinnati, two more empty drives against them, excuse me, three more empty drives against them, and one more drive where Notre Dame caused a fumble. Also a pretty good effort. Virginia Tech, they go out and have one, two, three, four, five, six empty drives, including the last one, which I guess doesn't count, or excuse me, six three and outs and two more empty drives, held to a field goal a few times. The last two, Two three and outs total in two games. I think it's fair to say they did play better offenses, right? There's no doubt about that. And oh, yeah. they're not going to play a better offense other than Virginia. They're going to play Virginia again. And if Virginia has their quarterback, Notre Dame's defense isn't going to look great on the back end. That's I think that's where we are right now with the defense. Is that do you think that's fair? I, I think it is. And and I, I the feeling is that they didn't play well against USC, and I get it. And USC scored 16 points which ultimately is, is the bottom line there. Oh, sure. Is. Yeah. I, I mean, North Carolina in, in 2020 and 2021 is one of the most prolific offenses in college football. 
Sure. But if you say you're going to hold USC to 16, is Notre Dame going to win at any point? Yes. If you're going to hold North Carolina to 34, you're like, yeah, probably. But yeah. you're getting them yeah. there. You're getting to the point where that got a little dicey, right? Yeah. Well, it's where the DJ Brown interception was so big. It went from a game that was going to end on the last possession to a, a game that North Carolina was going to need an outside kick to win. Yeah. Um, that's a totally different vibe. You know, it's like, I mean, the defense, the bust in the third quarter, I think. Mm-hmm. That stays with you. It's also really uncharacteristic of this defense. So, like, are they a great tackling team? No, but like, they they don't bust and turn people loose like that. That that was an oddity uh, in the season, but it, it's so glaring. I think people are probably correct in remembering it. Yeah, it should also be noted that Notre Dame never trailed USC, and they trailed North Carolina for fifty eight seconds. So, um, you know, but I mean, to get back to is the question. I mean, offensively, they're making progress where you can now have a little bit more leeway defensively and points allowed because you can feel pretty confident that the offense is in a much better position to score some points. Question from Martin Evenflow. I don't see any way Kyron – this is not a question. It's a statement. (laughs) I don't see any way Kyron Williams sits out a New Year's Six Bowl if Notre Dame is going for a 12-1 season, top five finish, and the first major bowl win since 1993. Statement. Not question. Okay. Comment? I mean, I, I guess I would say never say never on this kind of thing. It would it would surprise me, um, especially considering he's healthy. But, you know, it's like when you say I don't see any way, I mean, I can see a way. He turns, he turns his ankle or tweaks his knee at Stanford. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen. So we get five more games of Kyron Williams. Yeah, healthy Kyron Williams, I don't see him sitting that one out. And then all bets are off if they have a loss, obviously. Healthy Kyron Williams in the Cheez-It Bowl is different than healthy Kyron Williams in the Fiesta Bowl. As it should be, probably. Yes. Which yeah. the funny thing is, he's in a position where, man, anytime you're out there, that's why you got to go. That's why he has to go pro. <laughs> that's why every junior that is worth his salt should go pro because your shelf life. As a running life, back. As, a, as I'm sorry, as a running back. Because your shelf life is minimal. J.C. Vincent. Were BK's comments on Sam Howell and how he keeps putting it on the line and isn't thinking about the draft a sales pitch to Kyle Hamilton to play again this year if possible? Tim, you you were the first one that brought yeah. that up to me. Uh, you, why don't you comment on that first? I immediately thought of Kyle Hamilton when he said it, so I guess I'm lying if I don't think he meant something about Kyle Hamilton, right? I mean, the very first thing I thought of was Kyle Hamilton when he said that. But Kyle Hamilton and that question has been on our mind for eight straight days, um, ever or nine straight days ever since Kyle Hamilton got hurt. I think BK speaks in some non sequiturs once in a while where in his mind, he does not want it. He, he doesn't believe that should be going on in college football. Right. But he knows yes. it is. It bothers him, but he can't say it. He can't. Right. And you know, I bet, I bet he wouldn't even bother adding that sentence again, if it wasn't post game and he wasn't complimenting Sam Howell's toughness. I think if he were to, to restate everything about Sam Howell, he would leave off the, he will play regardless of his NFL status. But I don't really think he was thinking of Kyle Hamilton necessarily as much as the disgust he has as a 30-year football coach of somebody that doesn't want to keep playing college football for his team. I, right? I can't imagine a longtime coach, football coach, yeah. that is happy with the trend that has begun in college football. I mean, it, it, the game's hard enough without losing players because and losing healthy players. In, in you know, and I know a lot of people call bowl games meaningless games, and that's easy to say when they're not putting numbers after your name. They they are important. Wins and losses are important. That's why you don't you, you don't you don't lose games this year so you can be more experienced as a team the next year. That well, that's ludic. That's, that's I'm sorry. I've heard yeah, that I mean, from that's smart not, people too, and I just disagree with the notion completely. It's absolutely it's, it's crazy. just not reality in a football coach's life, especially a football coach making. I mean, the the, the money the, the money that they're making that's just not a. It's just not a reality. I kind of don't want that reality as a fan of a football team, right? If you can win games, win the games. Like, I mean, I get it, Pete. I think we talked about this when they looked bad against Toledo. And then Purdue, and someone said people thought they're going to lose more games, right? There was a lot of, hey, this, I mean, the message yeah. board, this is, this is a four loss team. This, what point do you start planning for next year? And I think Pete's point was like, not until you're three and three or four and four. I mean, that doesn't yeah. make any sense when you're 
a, a successful program like Notre Dame and winning games. I mean, every player on this team wants to play for this year. That is also a very important part of this. Every that's player a, on this team is dying to go to the Fiesta Bowl of the playoffs. That's an extremely important part of it that is frequently forgotten. Yeah, it's like once you're out of the playoff chase, like, uh, and I mean officially, officially, I'm not saying like Notre Dame is not probably going to make the playoffs, no, but they're, they're still not in the out playoffs. They're absolutely. not out of it by any means. Yeah. So no, you just, if, as, long, as long as that little sliver of hope is there, that's a really nice carrot for Notre Dame to keep driving. Like once that goes away, it gets harder. Um, once you lose a third game, then it's impossible. At that point, maybe you could have some different conversations. Well, how I many? Uh, Alabama is the only program that can lose twice and still be in consideration for the playoffs. I mean, yeah. maybe you know, maybe yeah. Not even this year, not, and this year they won't be in consideration for it if they lose twice because there's enough teams that won't, that won't. Yeah, well, that's this year true. is the exception right. to that. Right, right. Question from Mark May Hater. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Why isn't Lorenzo Styles starting? Seems like a natural with elite speed and agility. Also, do you think Kevin Austin returns next year? If Tyler Buckner continues to progress, yeah. Notre Dame could have an elite offense next year. Speaking of living in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they haven't played a game since uh since North Carolina Saturday night. And I, I, they did, they did, they didn't move Styles into the starting lineup when he had a career high three catches against USC. But hey, Mark Mayhater, point taken. Lorenzo Styles is good, man, and he's going to he get is better. Good. And he's going to be brother Braden Lindsay very quickly. And Brian Kelly said about Braden Lindsay today, it's probably true. It's probably true because of Lorenzo Styles. Braden Lindsay really wants to play this week, and Lindsay wants to play more because that job is not his if he misses this week when he comes back in two weeks. I promise you that. Yeah. When they go to Virginia. If Lindsay doesn't play, Lawrence, Lorenzo Styles is starting in Virginia. I think he's I probably he's that. probably starting this weekend. Yeah, I agree as, I as well. Could be injury related, but yeah. Right, right, exactly. Now Lorenzo Styles is going to be very good. Uh, Kevin Austin returning next year. Uh, I would anticipate it. I, I mean, if he wants a career in the pros, it doesn't start in twenty twenty two. Yeah, I haven't really dug into that one yet. I, I, you know, it's probably one where at the beginning of the year he thought, all right, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to be good enough to go pro like that. It really hasn't happened. Um, so that may take some time to sort of walk back from that decision. Right. Like I think sort of hanging on how he feels today about that is a bit kind of a fool's errand. Um, that may actually take until December for him to come to a decision. The one thing, I kind of have changed my mind and he can't go pro right now, but he can come back and be a graduate student where it's not difficult. Like we have learned this because Notre Dame graduate students are admitting it and explaining it and telling us they're choosing the path of playing football their fifth year. Whereas yeah. you used to have to ask someone to come back and continue to be a student when they could go anywhere as a fifth year and do the, I am just going to become a football player for year five or give the NFL a shot. I mean, there are so – as long as he has a good advisor, he will come back, right? Yes. I, there are 100 Kevin Austins in the NFL right now. At least. Right. I, I was I was, I was, was waiting for you to say that because there are a lot of Kevin Austins, right? He, he needs to get stronger. He needs to prove he can get off press coverage, which he struggled with. He needs to be consistent. I mean, it makes sense. Now – it wasn't that long ago where a player with the troubled background that he's had at Notre Dame would not be granted a fifth year to play. I, I used to think about that too, but I, I, I but it's dropped not, that yeah, I don't, I don't think, I mean, he's in the program as long as he's in the program and, and, and attending classes at Notre Dame, that means that you're still in good standing and you can come back for a fifth year if you want to, and they want to. And actually we were told, and this is important to clarify what I was saying. We were always told that Kevin Austin uh, was a solid student. It had not, his discipline had nothing to do with that when they wouldn't correct when I wouldn't uh yeah so that I didn't mean that I mean like guys that are solid students bad students and great students are all choosing I guess you're not a bad student if you graduate but subpar are all all mostly choosing to just play football their fifth year when Bo Bauer says I decided not to pursue a master of science degree to play football and Drew White who wants to be a doctor has decided to pursue football's fifth year a lot of dudes are pursuing football their fifth year right yeah. and it's clearly okay with, with with the university now as it should be because they graduated so the final statement by Mark May Hater: uh, If Tyler Buckner continues to progress, Notre Dame could have an elite offense next year. 
your thoughts on that? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel like in 2023, they're really going to have an elite offense. So I'm looking forward yeah. to that one. I'm really kind of not joked the about looking ahead. Like, <laughs> yes. I, I have no friggin' idea. Like, they could be good <laughs> next year. They could be great next year. Yeah, I did. I, or, they, I, or they could have to go through the same growth process that they did this year next year because they're a bunch of different moving parts. They're just starting to show signs of being a good offense. I, I, I haven't given any consideration to. I tell you what, being elite next year. I, right. I, that's a that's a long way off. I love Logan Diggs. And I like Chris Tyree, and I love Michael Mayer, and Kevin Austin can come back, and Lorenzo Styles is great, but Kyron Williams is leaving, so they better have Jarrett Patterson come back, or there's going to be some growing pains early on. Yeah, you got to block stuff for the running backs on next year's team, Kyron Williams. Like, but Tim was like, they rushed for 293 yards. The offensive line is doing great. Well, subtract 91 from that on the offensive line. All right, over 200 yards from where yeah, they I mean, that's what I'm saying, good. Runs. Like, they're doing a good job. Yeah. Um, opposed to this, yeah, that's different. Yeah, but uh, clearly against USC and North Carolina, the fact I asked the question today about how the, the running backs are now, you know, kind of picking and choosing, yeah. waiting for the offensive mm-hmm. line, to, those guys are getting pushed, man. I mean, that that's what's allowing Williams and Diggs. Did you, catch, did you guys catch that I called, that I said Kyron and Logan today? Did you catch me saying that? No. Oh, for your first name only, Pepe? Mike, Mike, oh, the cardinal sin of a reporter wow. calling everybody by their first name. You've and had a good came, run. You've well, I run. know. I had, And when it came out of my mouth, like I wanted to correct it, but I figured, it, well, okay, it's not really necessary to do that. Audric, but, Ty, and Zoe are going to be good next year. So that's it. Well, I, like yeah. Ky, you, with Kyron Williams, you have. He's a one name just, guy. You can't He's just say. Right, you, well, or both. You can't just say yeah. Williams. Williams. If you hear that, you don't, you don't necessarily think, do you? I don't no, know. I, 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 I said Kyron. Like I, said I would say Jack, Kyron. I said just Jack in reference to Jack Cohn today, but like, yeah, that's everyone knows only, who you're talking about. Exactly, right? exactly, exactly. So then I said Kyron. Then when I said Logan, I'm like, I Logan committed. isn't there yet. Logan's not on a first name basis. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Question from Kay Beasley: We've seen an influx of freshmen this year contribute to meaningful snaps. Why can't Prince Kali spell JD Bertrand reps? It appears Bertrand has hit a wall. I mean, Kali. I think we've said this on this podcast before was always a check back in 2022 kind of guy. And just because Maris Leofow got hurt, that doesn't change the amount of development that Prince Kali needs. So why can't he get meaningful snaps? He's not ready to have them. Brian Kelly addressed it today. Um, he said, you know, the question included the word Prince Kali's journey. And if you speak BK, you realize he's not there yet because he said it does not mean in any way we're down on him or that he hasn't lived up to expectations. All those crazy narratives that come out of why someone isn't starting as a freshman. He's done really well, but it's been smaller steps. There's been a transition for him. And then he offered the reality of this is not the week to use Prince Kali. And I think 95% of the people listening or yeah, I yeah, think listening will know that. They understand yeah, that. Now, understandable. But Bertrand has hit a wall. And so oh, they've got to be, sure. I mean, they've really got to be careful with him. I mean, BK even said, I'm sure you can see that, yeah. you know, these two guys are a little bit worn down, but that doesn't, I mean, worn down, a worn down JD Bertrand that knows what he's doing is still better than a completely fresh Prince Collie that doesn't know what he's doing. I'm not saying that, you know, Collie's lost in the defense, but I, I just think it's really easy on the outside to say, put it, like all these freshmen are contributing. Why can't you have another freshman contribute? Yeah. Well, it's a different, it's not, it's not running back or wide receiver. It's linebacker uh, against an, an extremely complex, diverse North Carolina offense. They really wanted to play Prince Collie by week three. And then he got COVID. They yeah. I'm sure wish Prince Collie was fine to play right now in terms of his ability to go in there, but he's not, they, they want a backup for JD Bertrand. They yeah, desire but, it more you know, than you and I do, but all those games were close. And so even if they had wanted to put him in, they probably wouldn't have, even if he hadn't gotten COVID. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. But he, yeah, maybe, maybe give him a shot at something, but I, I yeah. see what you're saying. Irish queso five depth at safety is questionable at best. That is true. <laughs> have we heard of any underclassmen on the verge of breaking through? Apparently not, considering they just decided to replace Kyron, or Kyle Hamilton in the aggregate without doing anything else but using yeah. a rover. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that K.J. Wallace qualifies as, as uh, well, he's not an underclassman. I guess he's a junior, but he hasn't played a whole lot. Xavier Watts 
was apparently number five in the rotation at uh, at safety, but you know they weren't they weren't going to make a change in, in a competitive game like that. Uh, the question is probably about true freshman Kari G. We haven't heard a bunch about. Loved his high school film, but I don't think he's been in the running. Justin Walters was an early entry and did some good things in the spring at safety, but he has not played. Philip Riley. Ryan Barnes at cornerback. Haven't seen the light of day. We've been getting a lot of questions about, have we heard anything about them? I haven't had anything specifically said to me and they're probably working on the, the prep team. I'm you know, through, prep right team. through September yeah. and October. So, you know, guys like that many times, I mean, when they're just working on the prep team, the position coaches, don't really know what they're doing once they get past individual drills to start practice. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's worth remembering, like, I mean, the guy who noticed drew white is like, I think this guy's a player. Wasn't Clark Lee or Mike Elko was chip long because right. white was on the scout team. Uh, and he was like, this guy's kind of a pain in the ass to block. Like you might want to think about moving him up. So I, but no, I mean, I haven't heard anything from the offensive staff about, scout team defensive players um but and that is the rule like drew white was a that was a big time exception looking over the special teams if you're some of these prep guys i mean it's not a defensive back but i think it's kia that is now kind of made his way onto the varsity for playing special teams right these i mean other guys aren't playing special teams other than toledo when they thought they're going to be toledo by four touchdowns that's why those guys played special teams to open the game and And that's why those guys played yeah he He's has, showing yeah. up. Yep. Uh, he had a he had a block in the back. I think it was a USC game. He did to start the to start but, his uh, yeah, career right, as a special right. teamer. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, which has nothing to do with safeties here right now. You know, look, it's a um, it, it's it's a long process. Many yeah. times, I, I think the most encouraging thing is that Xavier Watts is, is semi quickly moving up, and you know, hopefully, he can be a significant con- contributor next season. I bring up special teams because that is how they get them on the field. Um, that's how you know they're on varsity if they're on special teams, though, too. Yeah. It's they're unless Xavier Watts has played five special teams games. KJ Wallace has played five special teams games. They are closer than the freshmen is the yeah. only probably way to say that. Question from Go Fight, Win, Go Irish. There seemed to be no rhyme or reason as to when they brought Butner into the North Carolina game. Plus, the running game seemed to be clicking just fine with Cone handing to Williams. Did BK outthink himself in this game? by forcing Butner into certain series. I only thought that late in the game when they brought in Buckner, I thought they seemed to be moving the ball fine. I don't know if I would bring a Buckner, but I, I didn't get that feeling during the game other than once in the late third quarter, maybe. I remember feeling that at the game, thinking seems to be fine right now with Cone. Yeah, it was – there were definitely some moments where I was like, I don't quite get what they're, <laughs> why they're bringing in – Buckner or Cone in this instance, and then bringing the other guy in right away. But like, I don't need to necessarily understand it. Like they, right. it's, it's, there is a rhyme and a reason to that, even if we can't explain it as reporters. Yeah. I didn't, I, I don't agree with you guys at all on that. I mean, I'm, I'm just, just stating that up front that I didn't look at it that way. And I, I don't know if you heard Drew Brees's comments at halftime, but he basically said that, you know, he didn't, he didn't think the usage of the two quarterbacks was going smoothly. Um, and, and I, I mean, I disagree with that. I think there's now that you've established that, that Tyler Buckner can throw the football, he's four for four in the last two games, two in each, you, there's a different segment of the playbook that they can go with, with, um, with Buckner in the game. So I don't have a problem with that at all. I think it's working really well. You take them out, you can – I mean, there are so many aspects now that you have to deal with with Buckner. I mean, he completed an RPO pass. You have the read option. You can feel comfortable with him throwing a safe 15-yard pass downfield. I think it's working fine. I don't agree that there was no rhyme or reason. There obviously is a rhyme or reason. Tommy Reese continues to do really good things as a play caller. I had no problem with Buckner, and I think that that's – how they should continue moving forward. Here's my point on this. Like I, it's working. They're doing a good job of it. I thought when they would get into the red zone, they would bring in Buckner and leave Buckner in, but they don't, they bring Buckner in and then bring him right out. 
that but works may, for them. That's but maybe just like the, not what my, that's just not what I thought it would look like. I understand, but maybe the defense is adjusting to the point where okay, I want to put this quarterback in so we can go to this portion of the the, the playbook. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that would be a rhyme and a reason. I uh, think if you want to see a no rhyme or reason, you could watch the Michigan Michigan State game to bring in a backup quarterback. <laughs> just hand the game over. Just just take out Cade McMurray's playing great. Two all right. Two hand the game McNamara, over. He was in the injury tent when McCarthy fumbled the second. Time. Okay. The second time. The second time. Okay. So the, yeah, that's, that's the really okay. bad one. Did McNamara you guys was unavailable to just be the, the kind of bad one was not uh, not that yeah, one. okay correct. Did you guys get a chance to see the joy of a? Uh, Jim Harbaugh post game interview. I know I saw the beginning uh, no, of it, I but I, I didn't one. watch. I didn't watch it. No, <laughs> give me a highlight. Just no. I mean, I don't have anything specific <laughs> other than you know how Harbaugh is. There's there's a lot of hesitation between one word and another many times. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was. Uh, I uh, was, I enjoyed watching good. that game before leaving for uh, Notre Dame Stadium. I I stumbled upon the final score fully expecting that Michigan had won the game. And um, yeah, that was an interesting outcome. That was a very interesting outcome. That's great. (laughs) But let me just, I mean, as it relates to uh, Tommy Reese knows exactly what he wants to do against the defense that's opposing him. And and I think that the flow of the two quarterbacks is working just fine. I I, I wouldn't. I have I think nothing it is to. Too, but I just saying at one point I remember thinking, is it predetermined? Did Cone have to cut? Did Cone have to come out there? I guess that's how I. I that's why I kind of read the question and, and knew what he was talking about. I don't. Th- I don't think it's predetermined. Yeah. I, I real. I don't get that sense in what I watch since Buckner was able to get his feet wet as a thrower of the mm-hmm. football against Virginia Tech. That's a good question to ask, actually. How situation how situationally can't say the word? Is it predetermined for Tyler Buckner to come in? Like is it is it down and distant? Is it segments of the field? I, yeah, I what, think, what triggers I, it? I don't know. I that's what I mean. I think it's I think it's several things. I think it can be deep in your own territory. I can think it can be deep into the opponents. That would be territory. segments of the field. That would be segments of the field. That yeah, would be which segments I think of that, the field. That is or... a trigger, but like then they <laughs> what I'm curious when Buckner goes in in the red zone. Why do you go back to Cohen? Like, what's the trigger for that? Is it the defense? Is it a play call? Is it down in distance? I, I have no idea. I think I'm it's interest, mostly, I'm interested to know. I think it's mostly defense and play call. We should probably kill this whole, podcast to explain it. That's funny because I was going to say, I think it's mostly down in distance. I think he comes in on third and seven or third and eight because it's like, all right, Cohen, go in. You can't run. We're not going to be able to run here. In the, in the red zone. I'm sorry. Well, in the red or, zone. I feel yeah. Or, like, yeah. Okay, or you've had a couple series with Cohen that start to look like the first portion of the season yeah. when you struggled. <laughs> So now you want to, now you want to go to Butner that can give you more now that he's established himself as a as somewhat of a thrower of the football. So in short, we hope it's all these things because that would be cool. I, I think <laughs> it's it all is. these reasons. I think it's kind of neat. I, I think it is because Tommy Reese is smarter than all of us put together when it comes to offensive play calling. I'm going to ask Brian Kelly on Thursday why he comes in. JRW76, when addressing Kyle Hamilton's possible return this year. Pete, you sounded doubtful. This question might be a little obsolete now. Tim, you sounded optimistic. I'm assuming that was you, not me, yeah, Tim? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Can you both give opinions and reasons you think one way or the other? Uh, I mean, 35 million of them. You know, yeah, that's, what that's the, value the value. Well, rookie. that's the reason, yeah. Yeah, the, his rookie contract. Um, I would say that if, you know, looking at what happened to Drake London over the weekend, you you can't help but notice that stuff. Um, so it's that's why I I think he'll have a real decision to make, and some of it is like our ability to translate Brian Kelly uh, mm-hmm. a week ago when he talked about how it's going to be a collaborative decision and the family's involved. That's that's not a it's purely football thing. You know that's you got to look at the whole picture, and part of the picture is what's on the table for him next year. So it's, again, do I want to see him play again? Yes, um, for sure. But I, I think it's a way more complicated than like, I just want to be out there with my brothers. There's just, there's just more to it. That, that's the simplest way I can explain it. I mean, when you explain it that way, it takes my 51% to 49%, obviously. I mean, I, I got that. I knew that ahead of time, but you, you, 
the real reason Kyle Hamilton will go back is because he thinks they have a shot at something. So I guess what I said last week, if they don't lose, Kyle Hamilton will come back. It's because I think they have a shot at something. Yeah. You might look at it that way. Um, clearly, if they lose to Navy, it's his knee's not going to be recoverable. It's going it's to happen. I mean, let's let's be fair, right? If, if it's all taken away, right, if they lose to Navy, I don't think he's going to come play. Um, but I really – I like, like Kyron Williams, I can't even fathom him not playing in good health, but Kyle Hamilton's not in good health, so I can fathom him not playing. Tim and I talked about this on our walk, and Priester pointed out, you'll never know the answer. I said, I don't think Kyle Hamilton would shut it down if he never got hurt, like even for the bowl game. As, right. with, as, a one um, loss, as a one loss team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If there's a one loss team. If, yes. Cheese at oh. bowl, different story. Sure. I think right. we'll never know. Either. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody can understand skipping the cheese at bowl. I, even a, even an old timer like me can understand that. Kaiser Wilhelm, what spot would Notre Dame have to come in in the initial college football rankings on Tuesday for you to start to believe they actually have a good shot at sneaking into the playoffs? All right, let's guess. Where do you think they'll come in? Because I think they'll come in at nine, not eight. Um, I, I, I have Notre Dame ninth. I have Notre, so, Dame, ninth yes. well. I have Notre Dame ninth as well. Yeah. Not that I, would, I, I, not that I do that. this every week. but No, but I did it this week. To because the, of this yeah, week. to the yeah, question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would have them ninth. I think, but I'm t- I think eight or nine, they can, they can get there. I just don't think they will because... I mean, I think there's a lot, there's a bunch of losses coming in front of them. I don't know what the formula is to get them in though, right? It's very, it's a, like a real low ceiling for them, I think. Because like, what's their best win is going to be either Wisconsin or Virginia, which is not that great. No. And then no. You, you've got Alabama and Georgia. They, they could play each other in. They cannot yeah. play each other out. Uh, Michigan and Ohio State, sort of a similar story. Oklahoma's schedule really picks up. I mean, I don't think Oklahoma has looked all that amazing. And I think they have Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State in the yeah, final three no, weeks. They, they two they do. two of tough. them are on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's like, is Notre Dame going to jump Oregon? No. Like, there, there wouldn't even be an argument for that, considering no. they have a win at Ohio State. I agree with you, but I feel like – there, let's say Notre Dame is nine. Instead, let's say Notre Dame is nine. I feel like there's at least five losses in front of them. Uh, like, well, just, if, I mean, if Alabama State beats Ohio Georgia, State it's played. no good. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, if Alabama beats Georgia, forget it. Um, right. That that's that's the death knell right there. Right. If Alabama beats Georgia, it's over. And it's like if also the issue is if Cincinnati loses, does Notre Dame jump Cincinnati? Probably not. Yeah, yeah I maybe. That. I don't know. I don't man. know that I, I would agree with that. But who they would might. they lose to? Like if that's if they lose to they, SMU, they have lost? SMU and they have Houston. SMU still undefeated, right? No, they, they lost, lost to Houston. They lost. That's right. They, they lost, lost to Houston. Yeah. Um, I mean, in fairness, they you know they beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame, led by seventeen and a half, and never trailed. So if I was a Cincinnati fan or a fan of college football, I would be like, uh, what's going on here? If Notre Dame, yeah, won I don't. Because Notre Dame didn't beat anybody better than Cincinnati. No. No. Like Wisconsin could go nine and three and look pretty good. Like Wisconsin's favorite in all these games. Somebody said I was, you know, Wisconsin gonna upset Iowa. Like Wisconsin's favorite, man. They've been favored against everybody. It's just they haven't played as well as their uh, as what yeah. Vegas thinks of them. Um yeah, I would be pretty salty if I was a college football fan of a group of five fan or Cincinnati fan if one lost Cincinnati doesn't get in over Notre Dame. Yeah, that would, I, you would almost you need Wisconsin to not only win the Big Ten West, but also win the Big Ten. No, oh, that's a good point. They would have point. to beat Ohio State in the yeah. Big and Ten then, Championship game. Then, then that all right, a great win. Now yes. you're talking because Michigan State, you'd be over Michigan State because Iowa, Ohio State would have beaten Michigan State, and you'd be over Ohio State because Ohio State would have a second loss. If you can somehow clear out the entire Big Ten, which is would probably only happen if Wisconsin won the whole damn league. That's that's probably the best path for Notre Dame. Yeah. Right, with a month to go in the season, plus conference championship games, I, I mean, I don't – There's a lot of losses. I need a – I need a, Yeah, I, I need mean, an algorithm yeah. here to figure it out for me. And uh, You know I'm, what? I'm going to take a screenshot of the top 10 O'Malley, and yeah. we'll see. We're, we're You're saying five losses? I said at least five. I was thinking six, but I didn't want to use hyperbole like Isaac Rochelle and all that kind of stuff. So I was saying, yeah, I'm going to go. Right. Still in the league. 
Still in the league. I'm right. Got it so far. Oh, halfway home. Um, yeah, take a screenshot, and I'll say at least five, and that's just me the way I can say five. And then when it's more, I'll say, I told you. It, it works out that way. Done. All right, we'll wrap it up with a final question from Irish from A2. What is your top four playoff ranking right now? Georgia, one. Cincinnati, two. Oklahoma, three. Michigan State, four. Georgia, one. Michigan State, two. Cincinnati, three. Oklahoma, four. And I wanted, or- I wanted to put Oregon four, but I didn't. Samson, say yours again. I went Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Michigan State. So you have Alabama fifth. I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would have Georgia, and I, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I would number two, I'd have Oklahoma because I, I, I just, they, you know, they're giving up the same amount of points Notre Dame yeah. is. Uh, and I know Notre Dame has a loss, and, but I mean, they've been, they've been straddling the fence. I have Alabama three and Cincinnati four with nope. Michigan State, Michigan State fifth. Best win of the year is Oregon, right? At Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Second best win of the year is – oh, I'm sorry. Best win of the year is Texas A&M over Alabama, but they're not in the running. So yeah, let's, so, let's, I, yeah, yeah. so the only teams in the, in the top ten. Oregon's got the best win of the year. Who has the second best win of the year, Cincinnati or Michigan State? Cincinnati. Oh, Oregon. I think Cincinnati by yeah. far over Michigan right, so State. So then Michigan State has the third best win of the year, right? Yeah. Where's Oklahoma's rank? They don't have any good wins. So, I mean, if you want to put Michigan State three and Oklahoma four, that's fine. I think for now, for me, on November 1st, I'm fine going with, like, who are the four best undefeated teams. Me too. But if you're telling me Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, I do not give a crap who Oklahoma beat or Michigan State beat. Alabama is going to the playoff. Yeah, I think you have to take it as of now. And Alabama's got – I mean, Alabama's best win is Ole Miss, right? Am I missing anybody? No, it's Ole Miss. It's Ole Miss, yeah. But they'll have a couple of Auburn and Georgia, obviously, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, Georgia's best win is that no one can gain a yard. So that's good for them. It's every down is their best win on defense. Really unbelievable the way they play defense. All right, we're going to wrap up with that. We'll be back on Thursday, November 4th, when we preview Notre Dame versus Navy. Thank you for joining us once again for Irish Illustrated Insider. Looking for a gift for the Notre Dame fan on your holiday shopping list? Help them commemorate their first Notre Dame game or loyalty to the Fighting Irish with a Notre Dame Football Heritage Project certificate. Your donation, $5 minimum, will help the Arapar-Segian Medical Research Fund and the Notre Dame Gallivan Journalism Program. Visit ndcertificate.com to learn more.